Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. I'm Toby Webb and I'm delighted that joining me in this podcast is Julianne Calloway-Noble, who is Managing Director of the Sustainable Restaurant Association. So welcome to the Sustainable Wine podcast, Julianne. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. For those listeners who aren't familiar with the SRA, the Sustainable Restaurant Association, tell us a bit about the work you've been doing. So the Sustainable Restaurant Association has been around for about 12 years. We are based here in London and predominantly work with the hospitality industry here in the UK, though we do have an increasingly global movement. When we set up 12 years ago, if you kind of rewind your mind back to those times, there was an increasing awareness around sustainability and CSR, almost corporate social responsibility as a concept. Our founders, who are all working within restaurants and food in some capacity, were looking around and seeing that there were frameworks and conversations around what sustainability looked like in places like retail, in the new world of sustainable products that were hitting the markets, increasing marketing to consumers around sustainability credentials. And yet when it came to restaurants and hospitality, an area that has so much impact on both people and the planet, there wasn't a common language or shared experience to talk about sustainability. You might have one restaurant that was calling themselves sustainable over here, who really just meant that they were sourcing their ingredients from a local farm. And you might have another restaurant over here that would call themselves sustainable. And it had to do with the fact that they were using green energy or something, but there was not necessarily a commonality in what those terms meant. So the SRA set up to become that commonality for the industry. We created a framework and we call it the Food Made Good framework that gives food service businesses an overview of all of these aspects to consider when looking at the sustainability of your business. We very much believe that we are for hospitality by hospitality. It's really essential that you understand how restaurants work in order to understand how to make restaurants the kind of best for both people and the planet. So we set up with 50 founding members. We now work with about 12,000 kitchens around the country. And we're really focused on how we can make that process of driving change in a restaurant, one that is transparent for businesses, for diners, one that shares best practice from restaurants to each other. And one that ultimately drives the whole industry further and faster towards a more progressive future. Those challenges of different interpretations of what is sustainable sound very familiar to us. As listeners know, the Sustainable Wine is the online magazine of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, which is focused on doing exactly this kind of thing for the wine industry. And I recall seeing a photograph a colleague sent me from a restaurant in East London of about seven different kinds of sustainable wine on the menu Yeah, years ago in Hackney, which was featured carbon neutral wine, vegan wine, biodynamic wine, organic wine, and many others. What have you learned from your restaurant experience that we can take on board at the Sustainable Wine Roundtable about coordination and, and making sure we don't all end up in seven different niches, none of which add up to a collective whole? Oh, absolutely. And that's a really good question. And I think from where we're sitting, it looks like that collaboration and shared terminology, understanding that sustainability needs to have breadth. So everybody wishes that there was a sort of silver bullet to 
to say this is sustainable, this is not sustainable. But the reality is there is breadth to sustainability. So focusing on just one niche issue, vegan wine, for example, or you know all the different kind of terms that you use without a more holistic perspective on all of these aspects of production in your case or in ours running a restaurant is really narrowing and it's not going to get us to the future that we need. So we need that shared terminology across the spectrum of issues that we face. And then secondly, with that shared framework in mind, we need to acknowledge that there are space for a variety of players. So how we're looking at it is we would say that you need to assess your impact in terms of your sourcing of food, if for us in a restaurant, for your sourcing of food, for your impact on the environment and for your impact on people. And yet the specifics within that might look different. You might be a vegan restaurant. You might not be a vegan restaurant. You might be a restaurant that is entirely a social enterprise that is focused on giving back to the community, or you might not be. So there are different pushes and pulls that you can have against those kind of priorities. And yet you can't lose sight of the big picture. So I think there needs to be space for your biodynamic, your vegan, your, you know, all of these different niche players within the market, but underneath a shared umbrella of what that more holistic framework could look like for the industry as a whole. Thank you. And that's certainly something we're trying to work on with our global reference standard. I imagine in the restaurant sector, you have some of the same challenges that we have in the wine sector in that lots of people feel like, without really thinking about it, that it's all about the vineyard for us and all about the winery, whereas actually there's a huge amount of impact in some cases, like CO2, more of the impact is in the the value chain, in the distribution chain. In the case of wine, obviously glass manufacturer, but then also the movement of goods. How do you tackle that in the restaurant industry and raise awareness and get those actors on board? Because I imagine that, that must be a huge factor. Yeah, absolutely. You're bringing up a good point as words like carbon neutrality and net zero become buzzwords around sustainability and priorities, especially when looking at government strategies and things. What you've seen in in the restaurant industry is loads of businesses that claimed carbon neutrality or drives towards net zero, where they were really only looking at the fixed environment of the restaurant. So they were looking at those emissions that they were controlling and nowhere in that were they capturing those scope three or those value chain emissions. In our sector, the food and that supply chain of the transport of the food, the production of the food will equate to somewhere between 70% and all the way up to 90, 95% of a business's impact. So it's really important that when you're assessing your impact, you're looking up and down the value chain and where those things are. And then I think you also hit on another aspect around our ability, both as members of the industry, but also as consumers to be really myopic in our view around sustainability and what's important based on limited education or awareness. Another example I would say would be the reflex in restaurants to thinking about plastic and waste as plastic straws and stirrers, because that was such an issue that blew up with Blue Planet. Actually, the majority of the use of plastic in food service businesses is back of house, is nothing that the consumer actually sees. And so in 2019, you saw this huge reflex in the industry to make commitments around banning plastic straws or moving away from plastic coffee cups, maybe because these were two things that consumers had shed, there had been a light shed on them. 
but actually in terms of the impact of the restaurant, those things were actually fairly minimal because what you actually have is a lot of flexible plastics that are happening back of house that have no, you know, recyclability and are creating a much bigger problem. I guess similar to how a consumer might be aware or might be thinking about the impacts of the vineyard, because those are issues that are easier, I guess, to get across to consumers. You get this really lovely story about farming and the importance of it, but actually we need to do a better job at educating the consumer around the breadth of the issues when it comes to the industry. And do you see an opportunity in where we cross over, which is, well, one of the ways we can cross over our two organisations is around wine directors and sommeliers. We're looking at what are the opportunities there for those important figures in both restaurants and wine to be influential around the future of sustainability. What sort of opportunities might you see there, Julianne? Absolutely. Especially when I just hear the words wine director and sommelier, I get this kind of visual in my mind, right, about that the experience of dining out and the conversations, what that hospitality looks like where somebody, a sommelier, a server or whatever is, is supporting you in making your choices. The more holistically that those professionals view their jobs, the more that we can broaden our understanding of what great wine or what great food looks like to include food that is good for the planet. Though that's hugely influential because it's not just about that meal. It's not just about that one interaction and the wine. How much of the wine knowledge that the average person has is stuff that they have picked up slowly because of recommendations that a sommelier has given them or wine, you know, that they've seen on a wine list and all of that. So I do think you have this great opportunity there to not just influence choices that are happening in dining, but actually influence broader choices that consumers make whenever they're purchasing wine or food. In terms of the specifics of how our kind of organizations and and the alliance, I think we are seeing a lot of trends in restaurants around caring about sustainability and making decisions, changing the way they're thinking about their menu. But sometimes the wine is slow to catch up. So we still often think about our wine as being centered on being paired with meat or fish, which then is kind of limiting our discussion about what a brilliant plate of food looks like. We need to be thinking more broadly around how do you make those recommendations for wine that are equally as nuanced and supportive as all the other aspects of sustainability that a restaurant might be taking into consideration. And I also think that, you know, our two organizations fundamentally are focused on these really joyful experiences. We want a vibrant wine industry where this art and skill of producing wine is sustainable into the future. And we believe the same about food and about gastronomy and the importance of these cultural moments for these things to thrive in the future. We need to be having open and honest conversations around the impact to people and to planet of the choices we make. Thank you. Yes, your point about wine labels is a very good one, Juliana. I mean, the amount of red wine labels you see, which only say the two or three same dishes, is quite uninspiring to the consumer who wants a break or wants to cook something or order something that's not grilled red meat or something like that. And with places like 11 Madison Park in New York uh, really changing the way they approach sustainability and still being booked out for six months ahead or whatever it is, there's a great opportunity there for wine producers to start looking at how their wines can be paired with other equally or more sustainable foods 
Very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously what Daniel Hume has done with 11 Madison Park, it's quite a bold decision in the way that he's moving forward with that menu. But even for those that are not being as explicit or that are not going to a place of only be plant-based going forward, I do think you're still seeing a revolution in how those top chefs are thinking about their plates. And that could look like less meat, not no meat. I do think that this is a movement that is only growing and we'll see lots of variations that don't necessarily look as fully extreme as 11 Madison Park, but will have implications across the world because of the leadership that they've shown there. What sort of terminology are you hearing that consumers are responding to? In wine, we've got a bit stuck on on organic. You know, an organic is predicted to rise to 4, maybe 10, 11% of global wine production in the next 5 or 10 years, but it may get stuck in its niche as, as it is elsewhere. And so part of the reason for the Sustainable Wine Roundtable is to get us to move beyond organic and its limitations and to talk about what actually is sustainable and, and restorative and all these different words that are coming out now. What are you hearing from the restaurant industry that consumers are really responding to beyond the organic name, which is obviously well known? What we're hearing right now is a lot of questions, I suppose. The, the thing about organics is that it's a certification and a standard, right? There are limitations within that because it's not always reflective of the best practices, but it's almost like it makes it easy for the restaurant or for the producer to just to signpost and say, this is organic. And they didn't have to think about all of the metrics or what that even means. And the challenging part with thinking bigger than that and thinking about restorative and regenerative and all of that is what are the criteria for that? And what does it mean? And what does it look like? So I think we are hearing from restaurants that Yes, there's an increasing openness and interest from customers, particularly a younger generation that is driven by things that are affecting climate. They do want to see these markers of things that are better for the planet, better for the climate. Yet we need to rapidly catch up with helping to define those terms, like what does regenerative look like? What does restorative look like? And there are people in the kind of world of food and farming, like the Sustainable Food Trust that are looking at the global farm metric, which thinks really beyond organic and into a more holistic framework and a more holistic set of metrics that farms can be collecting that looks at things like their soil health and you know their biodiversity on farm. So we're really excited by that. And I know a lot of restaurants are really excited by frameworks like that, that have less to do with certification and more to do with holistic metrics that they could be collecting for their suppliers. I think we're in this sort of flexible transition right now as the spending power is pushing now into a younger generation where we have this opportunity as businesses, as restaurants to define those terms and to showcase what this next generation looks like. Well, yes, it's a moving target. In the other areas of, that I work in, you know, regenerative is seen as a kind of paradigm rather than a system to be certified against. You know, it's an approach, but it's evolving really quickly. And in different crops, we see different paces of change. So there's some very interesting work going on all around the world. And it's taking us all time to keep up with it and to take stock and to see where it leads. Julianne, thank you so much for your time today. Listeners, we hope to be announcing more collaborations with the Sustainable Restaurant Association at some point soon. This podcast is, uh, we hope, the start of a long and fruitful relationship. And we also think they're going to be taking part in our conference on the 22nd and 23rd of June this year, which will be a virtual event timed for afternoon in Europe and morning in, in the United States. 
and we hope accessible to all of you as being free. So if you're not signed up to our updates on sustainablewine.co.uk or swroundtable.org, please do so. In the meantime, check back for more podcasts soon. And Julianne, thank you very much for your time and your insights today. Thanks so much for having me. It was a great chat. Thank you.